Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman. Joined this week by Braden Dollar Coltman. Elliot is off. So, Braden, it's just you and I, and we have lots to get to. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about baseball because the month of October has arrived. We are going to talk about uh, the Raptors, who I know you just saw in Edmonton. Uh, I'll save I'll save your perspectives on that till we get there, but we'll start with Tua Tungo Valoya. Let's just really quickly before we get going here. Um, Wait, who did you just say? Tua Tunga Vailoa. <laughs> is that not how I said? Is that how I said? Definitely not. How do you not, say his last name? I have no idea either. Well, okay. So what are you doing? Picking, nitpicking how I'm saying things. You don't even know how to say it. <laughs> it sounded like you kind of garbled on some words there. And I don't think anybody who's listening right now would know what, what you meant. Tua right. Tagla Viola. Tagla Don't yeah. know. Okay, well let's let's see how this goes. Uh, I was gonna ask you about something else, but now I can't remember what it was. So here it is. Here's topic one. Okay, we're gonna start this week with Tua Tungavailoa, who is the quarterback uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Um, going into this season, obviously big question marks just around him in general because he's been one of those guys who, since coming out of a very very uh, exciting and promising um, college career with Alabama. He's kind of like, he, he hasn't really had his moment to show what he could do at the NFL level. And there's so many people um, on both sides of sort of the, will he, won't he be great uh, argument that are just so passionate about it. it there's, there's all these true believers in Tua. And then there's all these guys who are like, no, nope, it's a terrible move. Another college, you know, superstar who makes it to the NFL and just can't cut it. So this year was all about Tua's kind of opportunity to take over full time with Miami. And he had such a fantastic start, you know, on our other show, um, running down the clock, Tyler had really been singing his praises after week two. I think his exact quote was something along the lines of, um, you know, if you uh, are still out on, 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 on Tua, you know, you're an idiot. You got to get in now because he, he's, he's a superstar already and he, he's ready to just be here. He's going to be here for a long time. Unfortunately, the one thing the NFL still has not sorted and figured out is its concussion protocol. Tua was absolutely rocked uh, a, a couple weeks ago against the Bills. And I mean rocked like knocked down, head to turf, got back up and clearly was not Dumbled. at one. Like he was all over the place. Yeah, he, he. I think he fell back to a knee. He stumbled all over the place. Very scary, very uncomfortable. And it was like every single check mark on the you know, the spotter, the concussion protocol spotters list would have been checked. Obviously, he was taken out of the game at that time, sent to the quiet room. They did whatever they do back there. And for God only knows what reason, he was cleared to play in the second half, came back. And again, you know, the, the, like right from there, the Twitter and the social media and everybody was like, why is he playing? He has no business playing. And it sparked a huge conversation uh, around the controversy about, what, like, how do you get cleared? Well, fast forward. That's last Sunday. Fast forward to Thursday night football. It's a short week. Miami plays in Cincinnati. And sure enough, early in the game, he gets sacked and he gets sacked hard. And I'm talking knocked out. He's laying there. If you haven't seen the image, it's gruesome. I mean, his fingers are all contorted. His arms are in the air. Uh, and he's clearly unconscious. It's just, it's absolutely horrific. And moreover, it it was exacerbated by the fact that we had just seen him come into a game. We didn't think he should be there. I think there was already still question marks. Why is he playing on short week? Like every single 
part of the concussion conversation we thought we were getting to the right side of for the last decade just went down the toilet. We find out this week and after that they've been now a, there's going to be an investigation into the protocols, moreover, the exact circumstances inside the Miami dressing room, inside uh, the decisions that were made to allow him not only to return to the Bills game, but, but more importantly, play in the Cincinnati game. The NFLPA, who has a independent neuro, neuro, neurologist, tricky for me to say, neurologist um, on hand at every game mm-hmm. to ensure uh, that the NFL or the teams aren't the ones making the final decision, have fired their own neurologist who was there at, in Miami. The NFL PA has fired him, claiming that not only was Tua not supposed to be in that game, but that there was clearly, um, clearly the, the, the systems that are designed to protect the players were not followed. It's ugly. It's awful. Um, obviously, he seems to be doing okay. He is out of hospital. Uh, but he was taken off the field on a stretcher. Clearly, a, just a disgusting situation. Braden, I know neither of us are are as um, sort of robust in our viewership of the NFL as Elliot would be in this circumstance. But we're sports fans. It's awful. It's ugly to see, and I'm sure that you've seen and heard lots of uh, commentary, commentary, and, and opinions about this. Where are you sitting here? Uh, obviously, a few nights since it, and kind of just watching how the impact of the whole thing—bad uh, choice of words, Jordan. Sorry. How the whole sort of <laughs> how the whole situation has played out. Uh, I mean, what? what where it's, are we? It's so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch any, especially high impact sports. Like uh, there is not probably a more significant high impact sport. Maybe hockey comes pretty close with the speed of the game, uh, but. Head injuries in football are severe. And it's like, have we not all watched the movie Concussion? We know CTE exists. This is a very real thing. And the fact that there are still professional athletes who know that, that play this sport, it's serious. So the idea that, one, the concussion protocol, like I, I kind of just briefed over it. Essentially, it's a subjective thing, to, to, you know, between, a like you said, an independent neurologist and a doctor. They can determine whether or not they can come back. That's, it seems like, it seems like with all of the information that we're at now with what brain damages, you know, just the significance of it and what it does not only in the moment for that person, but long, the long-term effects of that, um, it, it, it's, it's always unfortunate when it comes down to seeing something like this happen and then having to react instead of being proactive about these kinds of things. Uh, or the you know whatever protocols there are around it they're wearing massive helmets too this is the thing they're they're equipped but they're not well equipped to be able to take that kind of force or that kind of impact from a you know that 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 was gruesome it's gruesome to watch what happened to Tua. he got basically slammed over the shoulder and the back of his head smacked the ground and what looked like broken fingers was literally just uh, an effect of brain damage. Um, the the nerves all, you know, vibrating and, and seizing up. And it's just terrible to watch. It's, it's, it's scary. And I'm sure it scares all of the players that are on the field who now have to continue to play the game, knowing yeah. that that is a serious risk. And also somebody you were just playing with has, has suffered something like that. Well, and and you're absolutely right. I think the 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 part of this specific situation that is even more grotesque is the the fact that he was playing uh, the second half of the first football game, and moreover, he was playing Thursday night four yeah. nights after yeah. the original impact. I mean, I think as you say, uh, it's shocking to me how 
uh, how we're still seeing these situations occur. And I don't mean the, the contact. I don't mean the actual incident because look, as you said, these are physical sports. The players participating in them are fully aware that they are, um, they are subjected to, to severe um, trauma, physical trauma, head, head trauma is part and parcel of some of these hits. And it can happen just as, you know, football is rife with knee injuries and ankle injuries and all yeah. kinds of other things. There's a an, a, an assumption that you are taking a certain risk playing the sport. Okay. So that's there, but there should be, I think also an assumption that when an injury occurs, there are protocols and moreover medical professionals who is first and only priority should be to the well-being of the athletes not to the like uh, integrity or or, or or organization or or, or whatever totally. and and these situations like this obviously call that into question and that's where this gets very very controversial because again not only should he never have been in a position to take the second hit only a few days after suffering a severe head uh, you know, trauma, which they claimed at the time was neck and back injury, which is just ridiculous yeah, when you've yeah. seen the, when you see the, 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 like, do these people not think that we all watch football? I mean, there's like four yeah. cameras. In well, there. that's, yeah. And then the, to, to, to moreover to my point here of, of, yeah, it's comes down to the doctor and the people who are medical professionals, but there are also other, people responsible for the well-being and safety beyond the medical professionals. There are how many individuals on that coaching staff. There are all of the fans who want, you know, like it, it, it's not getting past people uh, what, you know, watching something like that severely happen to when an injury happens of any kind, uh, it's attended to, you, you know, you, you don't want a player playing with a broken anything you don't want. So, you know, why would that be any different with head hand injuries? Well, and, and, and finally, I think, you know, obviously neither of us are doctors, neither of us are uh, experts in brain trauma, but like, it's not hard to see uh, these things happen, you know, it, and again, as you say, like grotesque, uh, horrible, it's just, it's, it's difficult to watch, but it makes me as a, as a fan of sports in general, you know, every time these things, I just, I, 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 I get so frustrated by first how it's covered. And, and then secondly, how we act almost surprised, like that, how could this happen? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, we shouldn't be surprised anymore. Wow. We like, this is, this happens so often. The original incident reminded me of Paul Korea laying there on the ice yeah, after Stevens, yeah, yeah. right. Where like everyone at home and in the building knew how bad what they watched was. And yeah, yeah. you go talk to some of those players who after their careers are over are suffering the long-term effects of CTE or just even multiple concussions. And the reality is it's like in the moment you're making a decision based on, you know, winning and glory and all of these stupid uh, ideas that have been built up around the culture of these sports, you know, man up, toughen up, go out there, walk it off, all this kind of shit. And the truth is at the end of the day, you know, you get one life on this planet, you get one opportunity to move through it. Yes. You happen to be an absolutely elite athlete in a specific sport, but you have to, and must always take your health and well-being first and paramount because the opportunity to play that sport is going to be limited by these injuries if they keep happening and now two of them in one week like that is so, not so where you want your brain some, to be i'm yeah. sorry of course and 
you know, two is going to say, put me back in and I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. He can't, he doesn't have that guarantee. He can't. So, but, but to, to your point about Paul Korea, you know, that's a situation and that's a common situation in the NHL where that's something they're trying to mitigate from the game because of the act against, you know, like the, the aggressor that makes that happen. Scott Stevens hit him directly in the head. The situation with Tua, like, yeah, they can try to mitigate tackles, but that specific tackle was such to the point where, you know, he suffered that kind of an injury. Is that something that, you know, like, I'm sure that tackle feels terrible for injuring uh, Tua, but is, is was there something he really could have done in that situation? Maybe not with such force, but you're playing with such intensity. Yeah. How do you get away from it sometimes? Well, no, I think that's the, again, he should never have been on the field. To suffer the second injury is what to, I'm to, saying. To, oh, absolutely. You know? Because well, look, that injury may still have back. occurred, right? It, it may yeah. still have occurred. Yes. But think of it this way. It's like if you suffered a car accident and experienced some trauma and then you went to physio and you healed and you were technically back to some level of 100%. Sure. And then a year later, sure. you were in another car accident. You may still suffer a, a second injury, but you're not... Yeah you're not uh, still not in the original trauma. And in this case, <laughs> when it. it comes to these brain injuries, as we know, there's a very slow progression of healing going on inside that brain uh, that we don't always understand. And we've seen examples like Sidney Crosby, who suffered multiple concussions in a single season and then had to take basically an entire season off to allow his brain to recover. And to his credit, came back post that period of time and has been elite since has been able to actually carry on his career and has yet. I don't think he's suffered another major concussion of any kind since then. Now that may be because he's playing differently or moreover, he just made sure that he, he allowed the first or he allowed, you know, at that point, his brain to actually heal to some level. And since then it's been able to, you know, withstand small bumps and, and, and whatever else. But in this situation with football, because you're playing such a short season in terms of games and you have all of the stakes on the line and Miami's having a great start to the year and la, 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 the clearly the uh, peer pressure and the, and the, 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 the sort of corporate pressure from the organization made too big of an, anyway, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously it's now pretty obvious to everybody involved uh, that this was just an absolutely disgraceful situation. And I think the investigation that the NFLPA is conducting right now will be very interesting and hopefully have some actual teeth in terms of whatever its recommendations or findings are. But uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on that either. Let's leave it there. That's topic one. Hello, football fans and fans of the Ordinary Podcast Network. My name is Tyler Walzak. I am here with Puya Ricey, and we are starting a podcast called Running Down the Clock. Each week, we're going to bring to you a little bit of football talk, player news, controversies, headlines, all the big plays, and then football action that you can handle. On August 11th, we will be debuting our podcast, and we are going to break down each division of the NFL up until the season begins. And once that season begins, it is nonstop football talk every Thursday, for the rest of the season, we look forward to you listening to us on the Ordinary Podcast Network.
we're going to jump right into topic two. And I know, Braden, you're very excited about this one because the Toronto Blue Jays are going to play some postseason baseball. And Elliot's not here, but the Padres are going to play some postseason baseball Ooh. too. We know pretty much how it's going to line up now in terms of who's in and who's not. There may be one or two teams that are still able to sort of change whether they're the second or third seed or la la la. But the truth is there's some major storylines. The Blue Jays are back in the postseason. Let's start there. Uh, there was a time a few weeks ago where it was starting to look a little bit like they were going to have to really fight to do to, 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 to sort of make this happen. Um, they had a, a really fascinating season uh, sort of ups and downs wise. That's why they play like 4,000 games in a year, but they've gotten themselves into the postseason. Um, do you think they have the team to do something with this opportunity or uh, I guess that's the question first. What, what are your expectations for the blue Jays going into the postseason? Well, they were a game away from making it last year. One went away and they missed the show. Their whole marketing plan this year was that was the trailer. This is the feature. And I feel like they have put themselves in a very good position to, uh, they've, they've got a lot of momentum coming off of the last few series. Uh, they've been playing, you know, some of their depth positions, uh, in the lineup more just to save a bit more energy it's nice to feel like they're in before you know they got a week here before playoffs even happen so they can really mentally prepare for the for this uh, situation my expectations are high obviously i'm i'm i feel like this team is uh primed to be able to do great things but uh, my my expectations are also tampered in in just so as much as this is their first opportunity here there's the first time this group has been there the jays were there and made a serious run in 2016 with a very uh veteran group uh but that was the old guard and this is the new that there's a lot of young energy youth usefulness that will be the future of baseball and i think it's just uh it's this is where it starts for the jays and, and their postseason and uh excitement Okay. Get though, like I, I don't know who they're going to play. That's the problem. There's there's a few different options that would. Well, know, I want to talk about that for a second because obviously, being on the West Coast, you know, a lot of most people out here are still Blue Jays fans if they're Canadian. But there's obviously also some attention that gets uh, sprinkled in there with some Mariners fans, and it has been a very long time for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, it, pretty like pretty exciting. Two thousand one, uh, Ichiro was a rookie. Wow. Uh, the number one movie in America was the very first Harry Potter movie. <laughs> Shrek was still in theaters. Wow. And the very first iPod with the original scroll wheel was released uh, the same year. Uh, the Mariners. Holy the last time most. the Mariners made. So what is that? October, December, late September of 20 of, of 2001. And this is post uh, September 11th. Uh, just post September 11th. That is the a Yankees very, won very year, long time they? ago. Yeah, they won this, that. They did very, very long uh, time ago uh, for the Mariners and a, and a, and a streak that uh, they are happy to break. But as said, they could mm -hmm. be playing the Blue Jays. So when you look at whether it's the Mariners uh, or any of the other options that are there, who, I guess, first would you want to face? And then what do you think mm -hmm. uh, those options sort of... Uh, how do, how do they match up for the Blue Jays uh, in terms of what the, the, it would either be them or Cleveland, I guess. Yeah. Well, oh, pardon me. No, no, or Tampa or Tampa. Um, Cause yeah, there's no Cle great option. <laughs> so it'd be, it would either be it's the Rays or the Mariners. Thrilled to not be playing the Yankees right off the hop. 
Tampa Bay's a bit, uh, Tampa, Trop- uh, namely Tropicana Field has always been a problem. So if we can just maintain well, but, home and- okay, but you will because you're in. Florida. I know, I know. So for so, at least the so wild card, nice. the three, the three game, also a new, a new system, is it not that this new three game wild card series? I'm as not opposed too to sure, the, but well, they, the they one off. Yeah, now it's a three. three. It's a three game. Uh, so the 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 top two seeds in uh, the uh, American League and the National League get a buy. So the Yankees and and the Astros would be the two buys. Okay. And then you, if, if the playoffs started today, let's say the Blue Jays would obviously be playing the Mariners. The Cleveland Guardians would be playing the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, so if oh, that yeah. worked out that way, the top seed gets home field. So the Blue Jays would be playing at home and, and Cleveland would be playing at home as well. I'd, so love, again, to, I'd love to play Seattle, dude. Uh, I mean, I've been to games. We've been to games in Seattle and it's electric for the Jays. As a Jays fan, that would be such a fun series. Um, however, it would also be, uh, I mean, Seattle's going to come out with full force, especially with what we just mentioned. This is their first time back in 20 some years. So, uh, they're, yeah, that if that could be a very, very electric series, and they've got some young talents that would uh, would face off well against the Jays. So, I kind of do hope it's the 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 Mariners versus the Jays. I think that would be a very fun series for uh, for postseason baseball. All right, let's really quickly talk about the other side. So, obviously, we are the unofficial podcast, the Canadian unofficial podcast of the San Diego Padres. Elliot has become a fan this year. Both to the two teams he said he was going to root for have made the playoffs, so that's not too bad. Uh, they sit in fifth currently, so they would, if again, if the playoffs were to start today, uh, they would face the Mets in New York. Um, the other option would be uh, the Phillies who are chasing San Diego still. I'm not exactly sure what the, how yeah, that lines the up. The Phillies there, but, aren't looking good into the playoffs here. Um, but regardless, that's there for San Diego. I guess the big question is, does San Diego have a realistic chance not only of getting through the Mets, but if they do, they're going to face the Dodgers. I mean, are the Dodgers beatable right now on that side of, of things? the Dodgers ever beatable as long as they have a um, hundred million billion dollars, they get to do whatever they want and they win every game that they want to, especially this year. Um, <laughs> that's why I feel about the Dodgers. So I, I'll take I it a like no. Yeah, that'd be a no, but regarding any other team in the NL, I feel like the, the Padres are going to be just fine. Again, this is kind of like they're now grooving into being, postseason uh consecutive team uh you know consecutive year returnees perennial postseasoners and i feel like the padres uh are, are yeah they're gonna start to click um you know soto just got there he's getting his groove he hasn't he had a bit of a slump there for a bit maybe he was mourning the loss of tatis jr his buddy but uh i think they're gonna be just fine in the postseason all right so uh it's obviously a little early but let's just Let's just play this out for fun. Uh, you want to take a guess or, or or sort of give us a prediction of who we should expect to see in the World Series near the end of October? Oh, boy. If you were betting on it? Uh, no, I here, well, here's the thing, Jordan. It's a good thing you mentioned betting because we have some big news to announce here on the network. But I, uh, I bet, made a big bet on the Jays winning against the Red Sox two days ago. Big bet, oh, $5. And I made $7. It was thrilling, thrilling experience. And then I was worried I was becoming a chronic gambler. The next day I bet on four different sports 
and I lost all of them. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't have a lot of faith in my predictions, but if I was to make one, I would say uh, we should anticipate uh, Cardinals, Yankees, World Series. Oh, all right. We will see Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge continue his home run derby and Albert Pujols uh, continuing his MLB career late, late. I think November this year. Yeah, it would certainly be fun. Uh, that would certainly be a fun matchup and an iconic one Two very, very storied franchises. So we'll see what happens. That was topic. (laughs) That was topic two. Do you like fast cars? Do you like when they race? Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you've just discovered the rush of racing. Check out the Pit Stop podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Join Jordan, Tyler, and Braden each week as they recap every race as well as break down the biggest stories on and off the track, all before setting you up for the next race in the Formula One schedule. The Pit Stop Podcast is available anywhere you get your podcast. All right, off to three here. Uh, we I teased this off the top. I know that you uh, went Sunday night to Roger's place in Edmonton to watch basketball. And I'm sure that that was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, it, it was the very first uh, preseason game of this season for the Toronto Raptors. They are on their Western Canadian leg of sort of the the goodwill tour uh, that they've been doing over the last couple seasons. They've been to Vancouver. I think they've been to a couple other places where they like to, you know, just continue to uh, cultivate and 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 um, give a little love to the outer outside of the GTA Southern Ontario market. That is the rest of Canada as Canada's lone NBA team. Uh, they did their training camp uh, in Victoria this season. And now they, as I said, they moved over to Edmonton and it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, you're going to give us some insight into exactly how fun it really was as someone who attended it. But I wanted to read you a couple quotes too following the game. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, said the atmosphere was unbelievable. It blows me away every time we get to come to these different places that don't get to see us as much. And then uh, he also, he he went on to say, and this is uh, sort of the fun part of the quote, he goes, Edmonton was amazing. You look up to the rafters and it felt like people were hanging from the ceiling. It was just electric from the moment we checked into the hotel yesterday. It was rock star treatment. And hopefully we put on a good show for them. Uh, so, um, I'm going to have to turn it over to you to actually give us some in 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 perspective. Pascal Siak also just tweeted, uh, "Thank you, Edmonton. That was dope." With some photos, uh, sounded like the players had fun. How was it for you in the building? Oh yeah, it was electric. I mean, you, it, it's amazing, and it must feel so amazing for for so many of these players who have never been, or even maybe even have heard of a place called Edmonton with a, a you know brand new arena. And it's preseason. This is their first preseason. And this place was packed. Like, I'm talking standing room only. It, people were hanging from the rafters. It is clear that the Toronto Raptors have made a huge impression across all of Canada. We, we saw it with, with the, you know, the Canada men's soccer team. The, these places really, really care about uh, sport. And I think the Raptors have just done a absolutely fantastic job at, at cultivating the culture of basketball and making it something that is one accessible, but also 
um, fun to watch for so many different people across the country. You know, to see Matt Devlin courtside, to see um, Nav, super fan in the building, to see the Raptor, who's, you know, uh, one of the best mascots in all, you know, all of the NBA. There's, there's just some really world-class uh, things that uh, Edmonton was able to receive. Montreal is going to be able to get some of that as well, some of that love. They've been to Vancouver, and I just hope they continue to do this kind of thing. If anything, it proves that uh, there, there are markets for the NBA. I can't say that Edmonton would maybe be able to host the infrastructure for a team full-time or Vancouver, but it's just very, very clear that there is a following and there is significant um, – interest in basketball across the country okay so let's really quickly here with the time we have left turn our attention to the raptors and expectations for the season we're getting geared up obviously you and christian will be back this season with your all your nba podcast we've got the backyard basketball podcast i'm sure you guys are gearing up for you know some early episodes starting off the season but let's just tease here a little bit you're a Raptors fan. That's your team. So we'll focus on them. But, you know, obviously busy offseason, lots going on in the NBA. The Raptors made some news. Oh, well, will they, won't they, Kevin Durant? And obviously Kevin Durant stayed right where he was. So overall, you look at this team. It's young, but it's growing. You've got some guys who, you know, a, a few years ago were winning a championship as either rookies or as like young, young players. Um, and now they're coming into their own. You know, you have Pascal Siakam, who's a genuine star in this league. Um, you know, guys like Van Vliet, who are veterans at this point. Uh, and and you look at what this team has, Scotty Barnes and uh, Ananobi. What is a realistic expectation? And moreover, what do you uh, anticipate the Raptors being able to accomplish this season in the NBA? definitely think they have another shot at making the playoffs fortunately the east has only gotten more uh friendly for them i think a lot of significant moves went out uh west this year uh there's still some very very tough competition don't get me wrong atlanta's going to look very different boston's going to be just as good um but for the raptors specifically the the x factor is it's actually kind of talking about what you mentioned with Kevin Durant staying still. Kevin Durant didn't stay still. Kevin Durant wasn't given away. Um, Josiah and, and, and the Brooklyn Nets knew there's, this is a massive asset and they're not just going to give him away. And the only person that they considered giving him away for to the Raptors was Scotty Barnes and Toronto and Mistai and the entire organization knew that this is the X factor. Scotty Barnes is going to be a top five player in the NBA at some point in his career. And coming off his rookie season, going into this season, he's going to be getting a lot more uh, uh, ball touches. He's going to get a lot more plays run through him. He is the cornerstone of this franchise moving forward. And I think uh, moving into his sophomore season, it's, he's, I think they're, they're primed for some, some awesome, awesome basketball. So again, you, you you sort of talked about how the, the rest of the East shapes up, but um, really quickly stepping away from the Raptors, let's just let's just do it this way. Uh, who for you are the like the teams you you think will take the biggest step forward, and who do you think takes a step back just league wide? Well, the biggest one would have been the team I saw tonight, which was the Utah Jazz. Uh, they they got pummeled in preseason by about forty points. 
and that's not no fault of their own, but they just sold their two franchise superstars in uh, Rudy Gobert to Minnesota and Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland, which leads me to those two teams. Cleveland's going to be significantly better. Uh, they've already got some incredible young talent, Mobley, uh, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. That team's going to be very good. And with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, like watch, just watch out. Um, Minnesota as well, Rudy Gobert, paired with cat like it's it, it's it's that seems gonna be very good I, I wouldn't be surprised to see um you know portland fall off again um i'm not sure which direction quite yet to say about the hornets boston's gonna be a very interesting one to watch obviously we've news came out about uh um Ime Doka, who's their, their rookie coach last year, news came out that he had uh, um, inappropriate relations with a staff member and has been since suspended for the year from the organization, which puts them in a compromised position. How are the players going to react to that? How does the team respond to this? Uh, where does that who put is, them? Who, who is coaching their team? It'll be their assistant coach. I can't remember his name at the moment, but he well, he has been with the team so you know, with that said, there's some there's some continuity at least with some of the schemes uh, from their their you know their their attempt at a title last year. But uh, yeah, yeah, Boston Boston's going to have a tough time. Atlanta's an interesting one. They 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 traded for Dejounte Murray, so Murray and uh, Trey Young in the backcourt is going to be pretty fun to watch. Uh, quickly, the Pistons that would be a team to watch. They're they're going to be kind of one of those fighting for the wild card spots this year um but finally kind of coming out of the basement cellar uh with with some of their young guys so okay no, so, it's gonna be fun to watch it's gonna be really so, great and all, all that to say lebron james is still lebron james <laughs> he's still gonna be dominant as ever at 38 year old and balding there you go. So what would you consider a success for the Raptors this season? Is it just make the playoffs? Is it, do they, you know, is that where they need to be? Do they need to be winning the division? How does it work? I would be concerned about winning the division. You've got Boston, the same division. Uh, if, if you can push and you can maintain some competition with some of those bigger teams, I think that that would be one of the key goals, uh, you know, facing the Warriors, facing the Grizzlies, facing uh, the Sixers, that's going to be a battle every night. The Bucks, those teams, if they can be competitive uh, throughout the season against those teams, that would be meeting expectations. And I think, quite honestly, you know, second round is is where I see this team. Uh, if they can find success there, that that as we've seen with We the North, that only propels them further the next year. So that would be my expectations. A second round berth for the Toronto Raptors. You want to give us a hot take? Anything? Hot take. Oh gosh, um, Luka Doncic MVP. Nice, that's a great one. I like that. Let's leave it there. That's awesome. All right, thanks, Braden. Um, you gave a little tease. We do have some news coming soon, but I can't reveal it quite yet. So you have to keep listening, there, fans of this show. Uh, in the meantime, as I said, look out soon enough. Braden and his buddy Christian will be back with a new season of the Backyard Basketball Podcast. If you haven't already checked it out, please go check out Running Down the Clock, which is on Thursdays, Tyler and Puya. And I'm sure this next episode will be very, very uh, spicy, let's call it, because uh, last week Puya had some bold takes on the whole Tua situation. And I think he will be eating his words, having seen how it played out. 
And also Tuesday, we have another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast, Singapore Grand Prix is in the book. So Braden, myself, and Tyler will join you on Tuesday to talk about the Singapore Grand Prix. So lots of action around the network. If you haven't already, please subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts to Hattrick. You can also check out all the other shows from the network on our website, ordinarypodcasts.com. That was Hattrick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.